The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Sports Talk New York here on WGBB in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here, taking you through the first hour on this, the 20th day of August in 2023, in case you're just waking up. Our engineer, always with us as faithful as as uh, a, a fine steed, Brian Graves is across the way. Uh, as always, uh, I'm happy to welcome you aboard tonight. I'm, I'm really glad you can be with us. Uh, we had a special show lined up for you tonight, folks. We we're going to bring you uh, New York Mets legend Eddie Cranepool to talk about his new book. But we're going to bring in Gary Kaschek, his co-author, to fill some space and to also talk about uh, the Hall of Fame candidacy, which we're, we're real excited here to, to, uh, be involved with and, and to be able to publicize this. The Hall of Fame candidacy for the first deaf player in baseball history, and that is William Dummy Hoy, of, of course. I guess we could call it Hoy for the Hall campaign. <laughs> so just sit back, relax, get comfortable. We got a great show up ahead for you guys. Uh, social media, I just want to remind you, we are out on Facebook. You can find us out there. Show information, sports information. Uh, we got, we got a live webcam. Uh, don't, you, you don't want to do that tonight, folks. So, especially if you just ate. You don't want to look and, and, uh, and see what's sitting in the studio right now. Uh, so stop by, give us a look, give us a like on Facebook. Also, we are on LinkedIn. We are also on X. Don't get scared now. Don't push the children away from the radio. It is the new Twitter platform, X, at WGB Sports Talk. You can follow me on X at B. Donahue, WGBB. And if you miss a show, don't worry, because they're all cataloged out on the website. It should be out there the next day. You can listen to it at your leisure. Let me just uh, introduce our first, well, our only guest for the evening. He is Gary Kaschek. I have a spiel made out for him that I don't want to short him in any way. He served as sports writer and columnist for the Vestal News. Vestal, of course, being a town near Binghamton, upstate New York. The Green Bay Press-Gazette, which, of course, is in Wisconsin. And the Burlington County Times in New Jersey. He has served the Montrose Independent as its sports editor. That's in Pennsylvania. And he's also reported for WKOP Radio in Binghamton, New York. Currently, he's the newsletter editor for Extra Innings, and that is the official newsletter of the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame located in Boston Lake, New York. We want to give them a shout-out, too. Welcome to the show tonight, Gary Kaschek. Gary, good evening. Nice to be with you. I'm sorry I'm not Ed Cranefull, but I'll do my best in his place. Well, right now I'd rather talk to you, Gary, because I'm, <laughs> I'm not very happy with Ed Cranefull right now. <laughs> okay, okay. I just said. No worries. We'll, we'll, we'll have a good chat. We, we can talk a little bit about uh, the book 
And, of course, folks, the name of that book is The Last Miracle. And it uh, has to do with Eddie's uh, career with the uh, New York Mets, his 18-year career affiliated with the ball club, and also uh, The Last Miracle being really his kidney transplant that really ended up saving his life. We'll talk a little bit about that. But to, to start off, Gary, uh, I want to talk to you about the New York State Halls of Fame located in Boston Lake, New York. Now, I know you're affiliated with those folks. Give us a little uh, background, if, if you can, on the, the baseball, the hockey, and the basketball Hall of Fame that, that uh, Rene LaRue uh, so wonderfully uh came up with up in that area well it was just a maybe three weeks ago that he opened up his uh brick and mortar baseball museum in gloversville new york that's about 45 minutes away from boston lake okay so uh, these halls of fame that he has uh, been inducting people into have not had a place for their memorabilia to be seen um you know for people to enjoy the artifacts uh that people you can give. Um, so it was really exciting to be up there a few weeks ago with Rennie. Um, there was at least 400 people for the ribbon cutting ceremony. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful museum. Um, it's free of charge, by the way. So it's really a, a nice venue for the people there. A big baseball hub, by the way. Uh, historically, a lot of baseball activity in that area of upstate New York. Uh, hockey and basketball don't yet have a home mm-hmm. to store artifacts and such, but uh, knowing Rene, probably working on that, and uh, I'm really proud of him for what he's done up there. A uh, really beautiful place. Uh, you know, your people, if you're in the Cooperstown, not that far, drive there and check it out. Beautiful baseball stadium across the street uh, for uh, youth baseball. So, um that's what's going on up there. He's been doing this for, I don't know, from the maybe 15 years or so with baseball. The event keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. The inductions are in November this year. Uh, he chooses people that aren't just professionals, but minor leagues, umpires, coaches. Uh, it, it could be the uh, the guy who takes care of the, the grounds, the grounds keeper. Right. Uh, pe- people who had a vested interest in baseball for multiple years in New York State who may no, no one may have never heard of except the people in their area. So he's actively seeking that type of person and done a great job with it so far. Uh, from, from what they say, you're exactly right, and it's worth checking out, folks. Gloversville is not that far from Cooperstown. I think if you, if you travel a little bit north, you will run into it. And uh, certainly worth checking out, and as Gary brings out, it, it's not just for the superstar baseball player, but it's for uh, a coach, a high school coach, a college coach, uh, someone who's championed the sport of baseball in the state of New York. And uh, they do a wonderful job uh, with it there. And we're we're going to have Rennie on the show uh, in the future to talk about it himself, and uh, we look forward to that. Now, as far as the Crane Pool book again, uh, Gary, the idea and the approach. How did you come up with the idea, and how did you approach Ed about the book? Uh, we had just finished the Cleon Jones book. Um, it was a year and a half ago, 
and I approached the publisher, Triumph Books, uh, with the idea that, wow, we should do a book about the 73 Mets. 50th anniversary was going to be this year. It all lined up perfectly. Yeah. They liked the they liked the idea. There hadn't been a book done uh, on that team that I know of, and um, I was given the task to find four of the players from that team who were willing to talk about it, and then we would have a deal. And um, so I reached out to Cleon, reached out to uh, he reached out to Ed Cranepool. They reached out to uh, a bunch of guys in that team, and the consensus was that nobody wanted to read about a team that lost. And I so differed with that. Oh, opinion. me too, Gary. Yeah, I, I beg to differ as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that, for those of us who know and remember that 73 season, it's a remarkable. A team like the Mets, last place with just a few weeks left in the season, they had to pass all the teams in front of them. They had a below 500 record. Uh, they were dead in the water, really. It seemed like there was no hope. But right. somehow... Somehow, with the rest of the division uh, playing poorly, uh, the Mets put together their best streak of the season and pulled it out with uh, the worst record in baseball history for a team making the playoffs. They were 82-79. and 79. Um, They went out to beat the Big Red Machine. Then they lost to Oakland in seven games. Uh, very controversial how game six played out with Yogi Berra not uh, throwing a certain pitcher and going with Seaver instead. Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, none of the players wanted to discuss it. So I was talking to the publisher, and uh, and he said, wait a minute, Ed Cranepool doesn't have a book. And that yeah. surprised me. I didn't even look into that. So uh, I called Ed, and he had had a few other authors after him over the years to, to do a book, and somehow was able to convince him to, you know, Let's go. Let's do it. And that's how it all started. Great story. Great story. And uh, as you say, Eddie never had a book. You, you did the Cleon book, which, which was a tremendous job. Swoboda has a book. Mm-hmm. Buddy Harrelson has books. Everybody but Eddie Cranepool. And uh, as, as we uh, started off by saying, we ha- had hoped to bring you Eddie Cranepool. But uh, I guess Gary with the card show today, he ran into some old cronies, and they probably uh, – Went out for a little bite to eat or something. That's what I'm guessing. But uh, we, we will uh, keep going regardless. Now, he was quite candid, Gary, in his thoughts and, and memories in this book. Yes, he was with a multitude of people and events, mm-hmm. uh, start, starting with uh, Gene Mock, 1965. Ed made the all-star team. Didn't get to play. Gene Mock was the manager. Uh, very upsetting for Ed, and uh, he carried it with him all the way into 1979, 14 years later, when Mock becomes the coach for the Minnesota Twins, contacts Ed, who doesn't have a contract with the Mets, and, and says, hey, why don't you come out uh, to Minnesota and be my DH? And uh, Ed remembers what happened in 65, and it wanted no part of it. Wow. <laughs> so that's one of the things. That, then he talks about Yogi, of course, and uh Joe Torrey, uh, some of the Mets, uh, Brass, a few other people. Um, but, you know, if you read between the lines and all these things that happened, there's so much truth to it. Uh, it wasn't just Ed saying I, I was upset with this guy for this and that, but 
you know, he got burned a few times, and um, I'm proud of him for being as candid as he was and to be as open as he was. And uh, I gave him every opportunity to, like, if he wanted to back it off a little bit, he wanted to put it in just the way he gave it to me. So, um, you know, hats off to Ed Cranepool for uh, speaking his mind and, you know, not being uh, worried about what someone else might say. Fine. Yeah, a great read, folks. Gary Kaschek's book with Eddie Cranepool, uh, The Last Miracle. Some great stories in it that, that, that you, you'll really laugh. Uh, the uh, story about um, Elio Chacon and Richie Ashburn in center field uh, and, and the, uh, the saying, which later became the name of a band. Uh, a, a pretty funny story there. And, uh, of course, we remember... What's, what's come to be known as the Jeff Leonard game. And uh, Pete Falcone, I've had him on the show, Gary, and Pete actually brought it up, that whole story. So uh, th- that makes the rounds as well. But uh, so, some some really thoughtful moments and, as you say, uh, great candor from Crane Pool in this book. Yes, and it was fun to learn some things uh, that I didn't know as I was speaking with him. You know, the trip to Japan really resonated with me. Uh, you know, we, he was able to, Hank Darren came over for a home run hitting contest against Sidahara O, and he used Ed Cranepool's bat. Ed Cranepool was the MVP in the games over there, and uh, you know, won a Kobe cow. And uh, it just, later on, he was invited with Swoboda to be uh, assistants for the movie The Natural with Robert Redford. So he's had a lot of things uh, behind the scenes that were fun to find out about and to put into the book. Definitely. And who else did you speak with besides Eddie, uh, some of the other characters along the way that, that you uh, got material from for the book, Gary? I have made it a point that when I'm writing a story about someone's life that I do not need or want to speak with another person. Wow, okay. It's, Ed, it, it's Ed's story. Now, if it was done a different way, I spoke with no one else about Cleon. Uh, I spoke with no one else other than Ed. And that's going to be my approach going forward uh, with any other books I might be doing in the near future. I uh, It kind of muddles it a little bit for me. I wanted just Ed, just Cleon's responses to everything. Uh, of course, I had to reference things to make sure that what they were saying was accurate. But, uh, nope, uh, it was, there was no one else uh, to speak of in, in either book. Good, okay. Great explanation. And uh, it, it worked out fine because uh, the book, as I said, folks, The Last Miracle, a great read from Gary Kaschek and Ed Cranepool. What was your favorite chapter or, or sections to work on, Gary? Um, well, like I said earlier, I, I did enjoy the Japan trip immensely mm-hmm. uh, but there were other and the natural was one of my favorite movies it was fun to, to listen to hear to hear about that uh, as I've gone through the book chapter by chapter in my mind every every one of these events were just and the things he had to say are were memorable for me so to quantify that in, a, in a descending order, uh, I, I think it, would, it could be those moments, uh, even the 69 season, when everyone just thought they had been a true platoon at first base. They were not. 
know, you read some things about five or six right-handers in a row uh, that Ed had success with, and and the year he was on the bench. Uh, Clendenin, Chamsky was playing first base for a little while. Uh, so those moments uh, for me are some of the most memorable. Uh, of course, his miracle surgery, which was a divine intervention in my book. I mean, if you really read the story between the lines, they have four people in the same hospital all lined up for that transplant. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it open to let people read the book or, or look into the story. Mm-hmm. But that was incredible that, that it, it came out that way, and um, and he's doing well today. And then his wife, Monica, to have her, her problem with, with cancer and uh, to have a surgery that very few people get through, and, uh, and she's doing well. Just an incredible end to the story. It certainly is, and you can get this book, folks. Again, it's from our friends at Triumph in Chicago, who probably are the best in the business at, at uh, sports books. And Barnes & Noble has it. I remember seeing it oh, right when it was released in Barnes & Noble up in Poughkeepsie. And uh, mm-hmm. Barnes & Noble has it. Amazon, you can pick it up. And uh, a great read, some great stories for the Met fan, for the older Met fan, especially for the younger Met fan uh, and uninitiated, you will certainly enjoy this book. And uh, I want to ask you while we have the opportunity, uh, Gary, uh, we had spoke prior about upcoming projects. Are you at liberty to talk about that or no? Oh, sure. I, I have I have a multitude of uh, fiction books that I've been Taken away after years and haven't really decided which one I want to do, but I've been working on, uh, uh the Dummy Hoy. Right. The Dummy Hoy, uh, book for uh, several years and I need to send this name out there. Uh, Steve Sandy is the ultimate Dummy Hoy researcher. Um, that's plodding along at a snail's place, snail's pace. It's, uh, okay. When you're doing a book about, when you're doing, writing a book about someone from the, uh, that long ago, uh, you, it just gets into something more that you have to find out uh, about the era, about the times, what's happening in the world. And just report the, the, the story from uh, the baseball perspective. So that's coming along. Uh, I have a few other things that have not panned out recently. So I'm actively looking for another person, uh, preferably baseball. Uh, I, I've had my radar at Jerry Grody. Yeah, uh, I think that would Good. be a really great story. But, you know, at this point, I think I should step away from that 60s, 70s Mets era, concentrate on something, uh, you know, a little bit different, a little t- different team perhaps. So um, nothing else other than that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's certainly some great stuff to look forward to. Let's talk about the whole Dummy Hoy story. How did this uh, initiative get off the ground? And I, I guess you, you spoke with the other gentleman, uh, Mr. Sandy, that you mentioned. Uh, talk a little bit about how th- this uh, got legs, so to speak. Okay. I hope I can put this out there the right way. It might be hard to follow. Years ago, uh, maybe 10 or 12, 15 years ago, uh, I had two books I had written for young adults, uh, feel-good stories about unlikely heroes who come through. And uh, one of the local schools 
nearby put it into their schools as a mandatory read. And before long, I made it into a essay contest. Uh, one of the essay questions I had one year was, who is your hero? You know, give me a, uh, your hero and how it compares to the hero in the book. A young boy uh, who was a baseball player wrote an essay that eventually won that his favorite, his hero, was his deaf teammate who favorite player was Dummy Hoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they, they actually went uh, to Cooperstown together, the whole team. They presented a letter uh, asking that Dummy Hoy be put into the Hall of Fame. And I thought I was a good baseball historian, but I had never heard of Hoy. So I researched it and found out, wow, this is a great story. Started to go online, found Steve Sandy. Uh, probably within a few months, we formed a committee, the Hoy for the Hall Committee, uh, with mostly deaf people across the country, and that's how that started. Interesting, yeah. Just from a, a kid's essay, boy, that that, yep. that really got things moving. Now, what are the uh, what are his qualifications for the hall? What, what what would you say that would be, Gary, or would you just mainly count on the fact that he he was deaf? And he did succeed so so well in in baseball at the time. Give us a little insight there. Well, at, at the time I started this, and I was very green and naive about it all. I thought the same thing that oh, the Hall of Fame—they'll have a heart. They'll find out about this guy. You know, two thousand hits, thousand runs scored. Yeah, great career. Fourteen years in center field, overcame all the odds. Um, but no, there's no pity card that they play to put somebody into the Hall of Fame. So I had to then uh, research uh, his statistics and his life. I put together several proposals to give to the Historical Overview Committee, which is the scouting party for the Veterans Committee. Um, Hoy's issue uh, was that the Hall of Fame started about 10 years too late for him. And what I mean by that was you now had Thomas Wagner, Dave Ruth, guys like that, that none of these mid middle players like Dummy Hoy could even come close to. Uh, but I can tell you this. When Hoy retired in 1902, um, he was so far up in many categories. Uh, he was number, he was 16th in hits all time. At the time of his retirement, for other play, other players who had retired, mm-hmm. he was 19th in singles. He was 14th in runs scored, and he played on lousy teams for the most part. Teams that didn't score very much. Uh, he was number nine uh, times on base. He was number four in stolen bases and number 19 in triples, and so on and so forth. And then he uh, number two in walks, and his defense was right up there too. He had. Uh, let's see here. He had, um, look here. He was number one in outfield putouts at the time of his, uh, his retirement. Number one all time. And he's still number 75 all time today. Yeah. Uh, number, number six in outfield assists. So his statistics, uh, and by the way, most of these other people who are in the top 10 or 15 are in the Hall of Fame. It just seems like he was overlooked and, he was probably overlooked because he didn't put together a 
run of great seasons like uh, the Hall of Fame looks for. Mm-hmm. He didn't dominate. He just was a, you know, he batted 280 for his career, which wasn't great for back then. Um, he just had a really good, solid career. And even on the other statistical boards like the Hall of Stats, which I know you know about that, mm-hmm. uh, he's way, he's way down, way down the list. Uh, so if they ever, if they go beyond the statistics, then he's got a fighting chance with uh, other stories that have been told about him. But uh, that's the story. He was right there in the beginning, and um, it was too bad that the Hall didn't start a few years before that. Yeah, that's that's definitely true, Gary. We're speaking with Gary Kaschek, the uh, fine author tonight, about uh, Dummy Hoy for the Hall initiative that's happening right now. And he is involved during his time with people who are in the Hall of Fame now, like you mentioned. Frank Seeley uh, was his manager with Oshkosh. Uh, he, he played on the Louisville Colonels with Honus Wagner and, and Fred Clark. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. he, he does have tremendous peers, and he played in, in a very viable era in, the, in uh, baseball. As you say, 288 baver- uh, batting average, uh, 2,048 hits, and uh, this, this gentleman was only five foot four, and uh, he, he uh, re- really was, was a fine hitter for his time, but uh, as, as Gary mentions, overlooked and um what could be the next step in uh taking to to uh get this on the move gary well i actually spoke with uh someone today that kind of came out of the woodwork that uh, might be able to help but you know to get him into the hall of fame uh, is a task you know you know as well as i do that it's statistic based um you know it's we could even get something at the Hall of Fame uh, for people with uh, handicaps, perhaps a, a wing of the Hall of Fame. But to actually get him in for his achievements on the field is going to be a daunting task. You know, see, you've, you've got to convince these voters who uh, are very hard to reach. Right. But you don't even know the panels until a few weeks before the vote is cast. So you can't stand there and lobby and look for the, look for particular names. It's really difficult. Now we did do it uh, successfully with Thurman Munson. I was also the head writer for the Thurman Munson Hall of Fame committee, and uh, we did make some headways with that. So I've learned some things over time. Uh, maybe some shortcuts to 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 do this, but uh, you know you got, you got to overcome this this uh, statistic based uh, thing that they have. And probably will forever. I, I understand that, Gary, and it, it is a, a hurdle, and a, a, a viable hurdle that, that's going to have to be overcome. But I also feel well now, as you say, particularly now, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, statistics are king. And when we look at Dummy Hoy, he um, he has some statistics. But he he really was far above and beyond with with the what he's he was able to accomplish. I mean, you have guys in the Hall of Fame like Roger Bresnahan, the catcher, who was really yeah. in the Hall of Fame because he invented the catcher's mask. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Well, that this is one of the 
avenues we were uh, attempting to take with Hoy, as, as he was the inventor of the hand signals used in baseball. Right. And uh, and that's been there's nothing solid in, in all the clippings and writings and research that Steve Sandy did and who passed those on to me. Few references to, to Hoy's hand signals, but it looks like it's a combination of things with even from the Civil War uh, players in camp were using hand signals. Uh, deaf baseball teams were using hand signals. Uh, unfortunately, the guy who's taking credit for it all is umpire Bill Clem. Uh, that's on his plaque in Cooperstown. Uh, but that was one of the avenues we had tried to go down was if we had proven that Hoy was the man responsible for this, then uh, maybe he would be inducted as a pioneer of baseball. Good point. Um, his family uh, had always said that those who were still alive talking about this, that he had always said that he was the one that invented this. Um, there was a relative he had when I was doing this research. I was ready to speak with her because she had all kinds of information to give to me. And uh, incredibly, she died about a week before our interview. Oh, boy. So I, so I never got that. Um, but Hoy had something to do with the with the hand signals of baseball. It's, uh, there's been tons of research on this, and um, you know, so so that probably is not ever going to be proven that it was uh, it was he that was the guy who started all this. Right. I mean, why should they look into this? Is, is you know, to 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 be a, a cynic. Why should they look into the, the, this uh, initiative to put this guy in the Hall of Fame? They, they've certainly got enough guys already. They have Negro League guys waiting to go in. Uh, Dummy Hoy is certainly not on their agenda or on their radar. But uh, as you said, Bill Clem, the umpire who's in the Hall of Fame, he is credited with introducing the hand signals in the major leagues. Uh, yep. Some early, I guess he was early 20th century Bill Clem. Yeah, he was so he's uh, credited with introducing, which is the good, the operative word here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He, he has seen this in probably many different places that he bet and just decided that uh, you know the person in the stand sometimes can't uh, understand what's going on uh, down on the field, can't hear a, a call strike. So one of the reasons why that was introduced also was for the fans, so they can see a, an umpire's hand go up or. Uh, Something else on the base pass, um, but Clem has, uh, yeah, his Hall of Fame plaque. He's the one that's uh, accredited for introducing it. Yeah, that's rough. And uh, <laughs> people may not realize, uh, Dummy was the the oldest, uh, the longest lived former Major League Baseball player during his lifetime. He died at the age of ninety nine. Yeah, he had, uh, he, he yeah. had a long life. He had. Um, he had two goals at the end. He wanted to live to be 100, and he wanted to get into the Hall of Fame. He had thrown out the first pitch of uh, the late game two of the 1962 World Series, uh, Yankees and Reds in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a few months later, he died. So, uh, you know, he was born during Abraham Lincoln's uh, <laughs> time. Amazing. He went through all that. Uh, you know, the, there was Indian Wars were still being blazed uh out, out there in the West, uh, you know, there's so much going on in the country. So he lived through um, the Civil War and then the Civil Rights l- later on. So he, he saw it all. 
And, you know, he's also the only person, along with Billy Hamilton, not the Billy Hamilton for the Reds, but the old Billy Hamilton from the 1890s, mm-hmm. they're the only players in history to have at least 2,000 hits, 1,000 walks, 1,000 runs scored, 500 stolen bases, and less than fewer 400 strikeouts. So he's in some good company there. And there's a lot of statistics like this that we found on him that uh, I thought would be impressive to the voters, but apparently not enough. And, and uh, as you mentioned, Slyden Billy Hamilton is a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And it really was a life well lived. And uh, for folks uh, who may not know uh, Dummy, I hate to call him Dummy, but that's his name. You know, I really well, <laughs> I feel it's kind of disparaging, well, Gary. His, his name was William. Back then, if you were Jack, you were Dummy. If you were Indian, you were Chief, Chief Bender. Right, uh, right. D- Dummy was uh, arguably the smartest man in baseball. He invested his money. He bought a farm. He helped people out. He invented. Uh, se- he had several inventions, uh, and he did not want to be called William. He embraced Dummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, 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 if someone called him William, he said, no, you call me dummy. So, I, yeah, it sounds awful today. It never would be tolerated. Oh, no. But yeah. back, <laughs> back, but, but, so, you know, I'm speaking of it freely because I've been so involved with Hoy research for all these years that uh, he would have wanted uh, himself to be called dummy and, and not William. He was valedictorian of his class. He was just a really smart guy. Uh, he knew He knew how to hold out. For uh, the best contract, um, just a terrific uh, life that goes beyond baseball. Yeah, no dummy by any stretch of the imagination, and he is in the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame, folks. Uh, if if you want to take a look at that, the, the Reds are are one ball club who does a really fine job with their Hall of Fame, and and Dummy Hoy is a member there, and they're. There's been a movie uh, about Dummy Hoy. I haven't seen it. It's called The Silent Natural, and yep. it tells the story of Dummy, and uh, it's played by a, a man who's deaf in real life. Yes, and there's been a few of these made. Um, again, Steve Sandy was very involved in, in both of these. Uh, I was invited to the premiere that I wasn't able to go to. Um, uh, interestingly... A name that people might recognize as one of the people in the movie is Troy Kotzer, who won mm-hmm. the Oscar for uh, his role in Coda ah, a, a few okay. years a few years ago. Yeah. So there's yeah. So there's some uh, you know, and now he's famous. Uh, so that movie was terrific. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't be shown in one of the major theaters, but it was in. It's out there. Yeah. Uh, really good. Really good story. And um, it's. it's Explains a little bit about more, a little bit more about Hoy's background and how he became uh, a player. You know, I years ago, maybe I think five or six years ago, I visited Gallaudet University, which is a school for the deaf in Washington D.C. Uh, I made a presentation to the Jackie Robinson Society uh, of George Washington University, also mm-hmm. with uh, the idea that Dummy Hoy was similar to Jackie Robinson. Now, no one get upset here. It's not even close to what Robinson went through. But Hoy broke a, the communication barrier, and uh, I was looking for support there. We got it. We had uh, deaf leaders, industry leaders from, uh, all across the country supported us with letters to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Dummy Hoy, for his job, 
before he went to baseball was a cobbler. Uh, his tools are actually in a box in at Gallaudet University, which I got to hold and felt very close to him. So, you know, there's a lot that Hoyt uh, had left behind that um, people don't know about. They should. His name should be synonymous with so many others in baseball. You're right. Yeah, he, he is groundbreaking in that respect, and he does deserve more attention than he has gotten. I mean, uh, most people are hearing about him for the first time tonight, which is very unfortunate. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's something that we can look to to take care of if we can, Gary. And, and that uh, I'm looking forward to, to adding any help I can along the way uh, from this end to uh, okay. help, help you guys with that. And uh, as I said, it's tough. It, as, you, as we mentioned, statistics drives it now. And uh, Dummy, unfortunately... <laughs> has been bypassed. Uh, some, of, some of his records were uh, bypassed by Tris Speaker, just to give you an idea, folks, of, of where he fits on the ladder. And uh, it's unfortunate that he doesn't have a bigger following that, than, uh, than that today. And uh, I, I, I think he would have had uh, a bigger following. When he played for Louisville in the late 1800s, along with... Um, on Wagner and a few other guys. Uh, this is the year that um, Pittsburgh uh, bought most of those Louisville players and became powerhouse uh, in, and, and won championships. Hoy was one of the few players that they didn't take with them, even though he had had one of his best years then. He had over 300. Uh, he led the league in plate appearances. He had over 700, just didn't miss a game. Uh, they took another, they had a, another young and up and coming player named Ginger Beaumont who, uh, had a terrific career. But then Hoy just, uh, languished with bad teams. Um, yeah. while Pittsburgh, uh, excelled and his name would have been more popular being with those winning teams that drew more people. It just, it just didn't happen. No. Yeah. That's a real unfortunate there, Gary. Gary Kaschek with us tonight on the program and, Standing in for Ed Cranepool, who was out uh, having dinner with his 1969 teammates and could not be with us tonight, but admirably, Gary stood in for him. And uh, we look forward to your upcoming projects, Gary. And how can we keep in touch with uh, the groundbreaking uh, process that's going on with Dummy Hoy? Well, it's not really being made public. Okay. Uh, we're, we have just that we have a. Uh, I'm not writing things that are, are going online. Perhaps I should. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, you know, we want to reach the voters and the people in the know. So I'll have to rethink it. Uh, perhaps I can do something else. Uh, people can look me up and send me a message uh, if, they, if they like, and I can keep them in the loop if they're interested. Sounds good. Uh, you want you want to give your email out. Gary? Sure, no problem. So it's uh, uh, G. Kaschek, so it's G K A S as in Sam, C H A K at Comcast, C O M C A S T dot net. Yep, and I'm on Facebook. You can find me there too, and um, even go through the publisher, try and folks if you needed to do that. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, eager to hear from anybody who wants to find out more about this. Sounds wonderful, Gary. And as I said, 
many, many thanks. An honor and a pleasure to speak with you tonight, uh, not only about uh, Dummy Hoy and the initiative to get him into the Baseball Hall of Fame, but for taking time out of your Sunday night to uh, spend it with us talking about the Crane Pool book. Again, folks, that's from uh, our friends Triumph Books in Chicago. It's titled The Last Miracle, My 18-Year Journey with the Amazing New York Mets. Uh, really, it's the Ed Crane Pool story in a nutshell. And it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Gary Kaschek is the co-author with Ed Cranepool. Gary, once again, many thanks. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity. It's always great speaking with you, for sure. Same here. You take care, Gary. That's Gary Kaschek, ladies and gentlemen. We will be right back after this short break. Stick around, folks. to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Uh, well, we have a few minutes. Uh, I didn't get to tell you last last time we uh, spoke about the great Cooperstown weekend that we had this year uh, for the induction of uh, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland uh, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, to me, it was special also for the awarding of the Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award uh, given to Carl Erskine, who was uh, our esteemed guest on a program uh, a couple of weeks before that. And as usual, a great weekend in Cooperstown, a nice ride up Route 28. For those who know, it goes up through the Catskill Mountains, uh, going through Delhi, Andes, Margaretville, the home of the famous Bun and Cone restaurant, um, Oneonta. Let you out in Oneonta, where you hit Route 88, 28 and 88, go parallel till you get to uh, Route 28 heading towards Cooperstown. Uh, Friday, of course, the great Turn 2 event with Ozzie Smith. This year uh, we had Hall of Fame guests Dave Winfield, Eddie Murray, and Larry Walker. Uh, really a great time to meet these guys, speak with them on a one-to-one -one basis. And uh, it all benefits the Hall of Fame's education program, which Ozzie Smith is uh, a big benefactor there. So... It's worth it to uh, to look into that event. Turn two with Ozzy uh, held the Friday of every induction weekend. What I like too about the Cooperstown weekend is you never know who you're going to run into. And uh, on the street, I ran into Jack Clark, uh, 
Jack the Ripper, you may remember him, slugger for the St. Louis Cardinals, San Francisco Giants, even the Yankees for a while. Also out on Main Street was the cast of Sandlot. Those guys, those they were kids, of course. Now they're adults, and just funny to meet those guys and put a face to the old role and speak to them a little bit. The town, to me, was not as crowded as it had been in past years, and maybe that's due to the inductees. None of them really had a specific tie to uh, one particular town, one particular major league town. But uh, a good crowd in Cooperstown, nonetheless. The weather was fine. What we did is uh, on Saturday we uh, took a trip and headed north, ended up in my alma mater at SUNY Oswego up on the shores of Lake Ontario. Then from there, we took a trip down to Syracuse for a Syracuse Mets game at NBT Stadium in the Cuse. Uh, nice ballpark and a nice evening out uh, watching baseball. And uh, you never know who you're going to run into in Syracuse either. Some guys rehabbing, uh, some guys not, some guys sent down there for good reason, and uh, half of the team, I think, is up with the Mets now anyway. Uh, the, the New York State Thruway, uh, so, so many closed rest stops, and, you know, if, if, if you have an emergency that you need to take care of business, um, not good <laughs> to see all these rest areas closed down. And I hear they're putting uh, Chick-fil-A in the, in the uh, rehabilitated rest areas, if you will, and it, if I'm not mistaken, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Now, if you're hungry on a Sunday, what are you going to do? I mean, the Chick-fil-A is closed. That's very poor planning by somebody with New York State, which is a real big shocker. Uh, nothing against the restaurant, but people need to eat on Sundays too, folks. So I just, just want to give a, a shout there. Uh, Sundays also in Cooperstown, we, we usually uh, forego the Hall of Fame ceremony, the induction ceremony, and opt for another day trip. And we uh, did that this year. This year was no different. Being that it was, it was going to be such a short induction ceremony anyway, with only the two speeches from Roland and McGriff, we took a, a day trip down to Binghamton, New York, to see the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. This was before the uh, the big name uh, rookies came into town from the uh, fire sale that the Mets had, if you want to call it that. Uh, another nice ballpark in in uh, in downtown Binghamton, and uh, a little smaller than NBT ball ballpark, but uh, a nice day nonetheless. And then uh, we made it back to our hotel, which is the Lakefront Hotel in Cooperstown. Uh, about five blocks from the Otisaga, right down Fair Street from the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, a nice dinner, as always, with our, our friends from Iowa and Chicago that uh, we've met and we meet up every year and uh, we've really grown close to and value the friends that we've made up in Cooperstown through all these years. So it was another great year, another great trip, and... Uh, just very happy about that, and it's great to report that to you guys. Now, 
Again, I want to apologize to you. We were supposed to have Ed Cranepool with us earlier to talk about his book. Uh, evidently, Ed went to a card show today, and looks like he may have run into uh, some of his 69 teammates, and uh, they're out having dinner, and he did not want to do the show tonight. So what am I going to do? I apologize, folks, but uh, I was between a rock and a hard place, and we did the best we could talking to Gary Kaschek about the experience writing the book with Ed Cranepool. And, uh, of course, the initiative to get William Dummy Hoy into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we will certainly keep up with that initiative and keep you guys posted as to what's happening there. Again, the Crane Pool book is from Triumph Sports in Chicago, our good friends there, Bill Ames. Uh, they do such a great job with sports publications at Triumph out in Chicago. The book is titled The Last Miracle, My Journey my 18-year journey with the amazing New York Mets, and it has not only to do with his baseball career, some tremendous stories, some funny stories in the book, some touching stories in the book, uh, specifically about Ed's uh, kidney transplant, which uh, really saved his life, and uh, the journey that uh, his wife Monica went through with cancer that uh, she took care of, of that, and uh, they're free of that right now, too, thank goodness. So uh, I think I will bid you farewell tonight, folks, and uh, let Andy Sukoff take over. Uh, I would like to thank, again, my guest, Gary Kaschek, for coming on unscheduled and uh, taking up some time talking about uh Again, the Crane Pool book and Dummy Hoy. Thank my engineer, Brian Graves, and, of course, you folks for joining us. I will see you next on Sunday evening, September 3rd. Hopefully things work out better that evening. I'm sure they will. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue, wishing you a good evening, folks. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.